Would you like predictable monthly income with annual returns up to 15% or more? Norada Capital Management offers you the opportunity to invest in promissory notes with fixed rates of return and monthly direct deposits. We provide investors with an effortless way to diversify beyond other investment options like stocks and bonds and even real estate. Our promissory notes have a high rate of return and are 100% passive. Interest is paid monthly, directly into your account, delivering truly effortless income. Many other passive investments offer rates of return in the 4-6% to range. Our promissory notes have delivered fixed rates of return in the double digits since conception. All notes are in good standing and Norada has a no-default history and reputation. And retirement accounts such as self-directed IRAs and Roth IRAs also qualify for this investment. So if you're looking for an effortless investment with predictable monthly income and double-digit returns, then visit our website at noradacapital.com. Learn more at noradacapital.com today. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. This is part two of the active real estate investing interview with Joe McCall. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. I'm going to get right into it here, but just so you know, we are having a conversation about active and passive real estate investing. We're doing a comparison and a contrast of each. And if you haven't listened to part one, be sure to stop here and go back to that first part of this episode and listen to that because it's going to give you a great overview and introduction to the different strategies involved with active real estate investing. So with that, we're going to continue with our interview with Joe McCall, and we'll get to that right now. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. So let's transition to what I believe is your favorite strategy, and that is doing lease options which is essentially a two-part component. You got an option to buy and a lease with a tenant. So tell us what a lease option is and why would someone want to use that strategy? I love lease options for a couple of reasons, but a lease is basically a lease option where you lease a property with an option to buy it in the future. And if you own a property, maybe you want to sell it, but you don't want to sell it as cheap as you would need to to another investor. Maybe you want to sell it to a tenant buyer. Or you don't want to list it on the MLS and pay all the commissions. So you can sell your property on a lease option. And I only recommend doing lease options on median priced homes. So in the Midwest, I only want to do lease options on homes that are maybe between one dollars to $200,000, that median price range. I don't like doing lease options on lower end rental properties because that's just, if a tenant was in there and they got their credit fixed and they could get a mortgage, they're probably not going to want to buy that $50,000 house right? They're going to want to buy something in the nicer area with better school districts. So I only recommend doing lease options on median priced homes in good school districts, good neighborhoods, blue collar, working class areas, right? But so I was doing a lot of wholesaling, failing at rehabbing and failed before with the properties that I bought. And the reason why I failed at those, by the way, it wasn't as much that the market changed. It's because I didn't buy them right. 
to begin with. Because if I would have bought them right to begin with, even if the market changed, I would have been fine, right? So one of the things I appreciate about you and your podcast and the way you're teaching people how to invest in passive real estate is you force them to focus on the fundamentals. Like it's got a cash flow, right? And you can't count on appreciation. It's got a cash flow and the fundamentals need to be there. You need to be at a certain cash on cash return or an ROI or whatever. So when I was buying them, I was counting on appreciation and I was okay with just $100 a month in cash flow because I didn't think anything could go wrong. I didn't think anything bad could happen. That's the main reasons why. And I was way over leveraged on those homes too. So I was wholesaling, but I was starting to get frustrated with all the leads that I was throwing away in my marketing because they didn't have enough equity. And so I started thinking about, well, what if I like did lease options on these deals where if there's like 10% equity in it, maybe I can, or 15, I can like stay in the middle. So I can still buy it from the seller, get it under contract to lease option, stay in the middle, and then find a sublease it out to a tenant who would rent it from me. As long as I can get three, 400 a month in cash flow, the spread between what I'm paying the seller and what I'm renting it to my end buyer, that's pretty good. And then if I can buy it for 90 cents on the dollar and sell it for 110 cents on the dollar in three years, then I can make some money. So there's three ways to make money with lease options, cash now, cash flow, and cash later. So it's kind of a mixture of wholesaling and buy and hold. So you're getting some money up front from the tenant buyer that puts anywhere from three to 5% down up front. You're getting some cash flow, usually about 25% of the rent. And then you're getting an equity spread at the back end, which hopefully is 10 to 15, 20% of the deal. And you're not paying any realtor commissions and stuff like that. So I started doing some lease options. Then when the market was falling, I started finding a lot of properties that didn't have any equity or were maybe a little bit upside down. So what I started doing then was I would get them under a lease option contract and then sell or assign my lease option contract to a tenant buyer who would then take my place and pay me a three to five, $7,000 assignment fee to take my place. And I call those wholesaling lease option deals. And doing those wholesaling lease option deals, I was averaging three to four, sometimes five a month while I was working my full-time job. And I did that consistently for three months. And that's when I quit. I put in my two-week notice on my job and not looked back since. Does that answer your question, Marco? It does. For people who are not familiar with lease options, it starts to get maybe a little confusing and a little thick. So just for the sake of clarification, when you did this lease option, are you holding title or did you leave title in the name of the existing owner? It stays in the name of the existing owner, which is another huge reason why I like lease options. Because I used to do subject twos where you buy a house taking over the existing mortgage. And to do that, you have to get the deed transferred into your name, right? I think it was Rockefeller who said the secret to wealth is to own nothing and control everything. In my opinion, lease options give you that, that you can control property without owning it. So I'm not on the deed. Therefore, if the deal goes bad, it's easier for me to get out of it because I'm not on the deed. I just have an option to buy the property. I assume in that case, then you're leaving any existing financing on that property in place as well. And so if you are purchasing it for the same amount as the uh, debt on the property, then it's no down payment. But if you're buying it for a little bit more, now you're having to come to the table with that difference. Yeah, it depends. So I like to do it as an A, B to C. Okay. Interrupt me if I need to. So I have the contract with the seller. Let's say it's a $100,000 house. Just use round number. And I'm going to give the seller a contract to buy it for $85,000. And that house will rent for $1,000 a month. I'm going to rent it from the seller for $700 a month. And I'm going to buy it from the seller for $85,000 
And I have five years to do that. Okay. So I have an A to B contract where I'm going to lease option the property from the seller for $85,000 and $700 a month in rent. The mortgage stays in their name. In fact, I use a third-party escrow company that will pay the mortgage. I'll explain that in a minute. Then I turn around and I advertise that same $100,000 property for $110,000 to a tenant buyer, somebody that has good reasons for bad credit. Like I only do lease options with tenant buyers to people that have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years. I'm not into the just churn and burn where I'm hoping they don't buy it so that I can get somebody else in it. I'm not doing that. And that tenant buyer works closely with my mortgage broker. So anyway, my A to B is $85,000, 700 a month in rent. And then my B to C, so I put a tenant buyer in the property who's going to rent it from me and I'm staying in the middle. I'm going to sell it to them for $110,000 in maybe two years, maybe $115,000 in two or three years. And I'm going to rent it to them for $1,000 a month. Okay. So that tenant buyer is going to move in. They're going to pay me an option deposit of maybe three to $5,000 on a $100,000 house. So I keep that. It doesn't sit in an escrow company. I keep that. They're going to pay me a thousand a month and I'm going to pay the seller 700 a month. Well, let's say the mortgage payment's 700 a month, or let's say the mortgage payment's 650 a month. I'm going to pay the mortgage 650 every month and I'm going to give the seller $50 every month. But my cash flow then is $300 a month. That's my cash flow. The tenant buyer's in the house. When it comes time in two years, maybe three years, when they're ready to buy the house, there's two or three different ways to do that. I don't want to get into those details, but we either do a double close or sometimes I'll record a lien on the property and I'll step out of the deal and there'll be a new contract between my end buyer and the seller. There's different ways to do it. Or I might take the deed over for 90 days because of the 30 day or because of the 90 day FHA seasoning rule. Okay. If that confused you, don't worry about it. That's how I make my money. So I make some money up front by the, from the tenant buyer that puts in their option deposit money. I make the cash flow and then I, at the end I make a spread between 110 and 85. So that's what 25 grand. There's no realtor commissions involved. MC Lobsher from Producers Wealth has helped his clients find money they didn't even know they had and showed them how to use it to save and invest in real estate at the same time through the infinite banking concept. You can watch a free webinar on the strategy and download a free cash flow audit guide to find the money you already have but are unknowingly losing every day at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Check it out today. So that was a good description, a great way to paint the picture. I'm sure there's some people that heard what you said and said, oh, that's interesting. Okay, that makes sense. And there's some people are still kind of scratching their head. So I have two comments to make about that. First, there are people in the industry that will refer to what you just described as a sandwich lease option. And the second comment I have is that essentially what you're doing is you're arbitraging an opportunity. You're getting involved and setting up a lease option with someone who wants to sell or needs to sell. And then you turn around like a minute later and you start marketing that same property that you have under contract to a tenant who would like to purchase the property one day and you're going to sell it to them for a higher price and you're renting it to them for a higher price than what you're actually paying the original owner and you being in the middle, you're just taking the spread on the sales price if it ever happens and the spread on your lease and what you've leased it for. So that's just another way to say what you just said. Very good. (laughs) Yeah. And now I know statistically this used to be very, very low. The number of people that actually exercise their option to purchase the property from you, often it just ends up 
expiring and going back to you and you keep the option fee. But how often do you see people successfully exercise their option? For me, it's anywhere from 50 to 75% actually exercise the option and buy the house. That's higher than I thought you were going to say. Yes, because I know exactly where you're going. The reason why it's so good is because I pre-screen my tenant buyers so well. Like I only want people that have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years. So they have good income. They have a good rental history. They have good jobs. And the mortgage broker has told me, yes, if they just do these three things or whatever, they should be able to get a mortgage. Okay. If they do these three little things, I never take somebody into my house that has hundred thousand dollar tax lien on them or who like has a bunch of unpaid child support and they have judgments and liens. Like there's no way they'll be able to buy that house. Or if they have recent collections from cell phone companies and stuff like that. And then when they're in my house, I make them work with my mortgage broker who can help them get their finance. Then the other reason is I'm only doing this in nice areas where people want to buy homes. Why you see the failure rate so high with most people that are doing lease options is because they're doing them on lower end homes, homes that are under $100,000 in bad areas, bad school districts. And yeah, at the beginning, the tenant buyer may want to buy that house, but by the time they've been there a year or two, they realize this isn't that great of an area. They don't want to buy that house. And the people that put their tenant buyers in their homes, they don't pre-screen them. They don't care if they ever get a mortgage or not. So I think there's a better way to do lease options where you have better success rates by setting them up to win from the very beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. All right. So we covered the major points and major things that I wanted to hit on. So let's kind of start winding it down with some simpler stuff. Quick question. Would you consider private lending to be active or passive? I know people have argued or debated this both ways. I think it's passive. I don't do it myself. I'd like to someday. I think it's much better to be the bank than to be the landlord all day long. Fair enough. A lot of people look at the time commitment involved in dealing with different types of investment strategies. You do what you do. I do what I do. I have my preference. Is this a full-time or part-time business for you? And would this be part-time or full-time for most people if they wanted to start doing wholesaling or I guess Lisa? Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, that's your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash real estate. That's netsuite.com slash real estate to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash real estate. Options. Well, for me, it's part-time, very, very part-time. I'll just say this. Ever since I quit my job, I've never worked more than 10 to 20 hours a week in my deal business. Right now, currently, I have my podcast. I do a lot of coaching and consulting. I have some software. I have some marketing services that we provide for clients. 
And I really, really love teaching this stuff, right? And so I spend a lot of my time teaching and coaching and, and doing my podcasts and stuff like that. I outsource my deals with other people. So I have students that I'm partnering on deals with. I have my business partner in the coaching business. We do deals together and working with the students in different parts of the country. We're also doing some land flips. So I've always believed in setting up systems. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I listed all the things that you have to do in a deal, a wholesaling deal specifically in this instance. This is 2012, 2013. I was wholesaling a lot of deals to cash buyers, to turnkey real estate investors. I was really frustrated. I had an acquisitions manager. I had an assistant, but I was still working really hard. So I listed everything that you have to do on a deal. And I asked myself, how can I do none of this? Because I wanted to start traveling. We have four kids. We homeschool our kids. And I wanted to take them to Europe. You know, we're teaching them ancient Greek history. Let's go to Athens and see the Parthenon. And let's go to Rome and see the Colosseum. And let's go to Prague. And so we did that. I started creating systems and processes where I could get other people to do the stuff for me. I'm splitting the pie, but it's a bigger pie now and there's more pies. So I can do deals in more parts of the country. So I've always tried to set up my business where I look at, okay, I can get a virtual assistant to do my marketing. I can get a VA to pre-screen my leads. I can use this mail company to do my direct mail. I can use this software to do this marketing and stuff like that. And then for my boots on the ground, I can get a realtor. I can get another investor maybe to do some of the legwork. If I need somebody to go take pictures, I can find them on Craigslist. I can go to wegolook.com. And that's how I do most of my deals today. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. It sounds like a lot, but instead of asking, I heard this like three or four years ago from somebody, stop asking how and start asking who. And I start thinking, well, okay, that's great. Like I can do that in my real estate investing business. So even though it isn't active, my investing is more active it's still somewhat passive for me. I'm really actively managing my team and my systems so that I can travel around. And we've done that. For twice, we've been in Prague for three months, traveling around Europe, doing deals in the US. One time we got an RV and traveled for three months around the northwestern corner of the US in an RV going to a bunch of different national parks. And I really, really enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. And I still worked two to three hours a day on my business. But because I only had a small window that I could work, I was extremely focused and disciplined. And I'll say one more thing to this. I used to be in this mastermind called Life and Air that you might have heard of. And the whole concept of Life and Air, instead of being a millionaire, it's being a life, having a life on air. And the whole concept was create a vision for what you want your life to look like first, and then design a business that supports your life. Most of us have it backwards. We have our job or our business that's the center of everything, and life fits in around that. Let's reverse that. Let's create a vision for our life. Maybe you want to travel You want to have the freedom to go take any day off you want and go skiing for a week if you want, and then create a business around that that supports your lifestyle, your vision for your life. My wife and I were really, really intentional on that. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. They refer to that as lifestyle design. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. So I asked you about the time commitment involved. So I look at things from a time perspective and a risk perspective. So you address the time part of it. On the risk side of the equation, and we can kind of wrap up from here, The more active you are and the more involved you are on the active part of this business, the active side, you're dealing with hard money loans or transaction loans. You're dealing with contractors. You've got scopes of work. And so sometimes you have scope creep. You can deal with cost overruns. If you're selling something, you got these long days on market, potentially, et cetera, et cetera. So how much more risk do you think there is with active real estate investment strategies over passive? This is somewhat a loaded question and somewhat subjective. So 
I can ask 10 people, I'll get 10 different answers. But what do you think? That's a good question. People need to think about risks. There's risk in all kinds of real estate, no matter what you're doing, in my opinion. So how do I mitigate the risk? Like, how do I lessen the risk to be as small as possible, right? So in my experience, though, I think there's very little risk in wholesaling, in the bigger picture of wholesaling, whether you're wholesaling traditionally or you're wholesaling lease options and stuff like that. Because I'm not buying the house and I'm just selling the contract. I'm selling the paper. So I'm not dealing with contractors. I'm not dealing with insurance companies or banks or lenders or city inspections and realtors and things like that. I just have a property under contract. I have a few weeks to have a contingency to see if I really do want to buy it. And during that period, if I find a good buyer, most of our deals, we already have the buyers in mind who want it. So I've always said in wholesaling, it's much easier to shop for what your buyers want than to sell them what you have. So get some good buyers, find out what they're looking for and go get it, go find that inventory. So we often, when we're looking at a property, we already have two or three buyers in mind and we know what they'll pay for this and we can sell it pretty quickly. So a lot of times we don't even advertise the properties or the contracts. We just make a few phone calls, send a few texts. So in my opinion, there's very little risk in that. Now, anybody can be sued for anything. If they think you're ugly, they could sue you, right? You got to be careful with making sure you're doing the right thing. You do what you say and you say what you do. And that is really important. If you're just nice and you're not a jerk, that will nine times out of 10 help you avoid stupid lawsuits. Oh, I totally agree. Does that answer the question? It does. Yeah, no, that's great. Last question, then we'll close with how people can reach you. A lot of people listening to this episode are either involved in active real estate investment strategies and doing stuff along those lines, just getting started in that area or thinking about it, or maybe they're contemplating it, but they're all over the place. Okay. We have a diverse audience. For those people who are doing it or thinking about doing it, how would they transition from being an active real estate investor to becoming a passive real estate investor? Just paint the bridge between those two because you obviously are doing it. So Yeah, so that's important. I mean, I don't own enough rental properties like I should, right? So I'm still actively doing the business. So for various reasons, and we can talk about that offline, like some of my personal goals, but like I think people, as soon as they can, should take the active income that they're doing and start putting it into passive income assets, like single family homes. I'm a big, big fan of single family homes. There's a place for apartments and multifamilies, but for me, I like single family homes. People are always going to want a roof over their heads, all right? They're predicting the population of the United States to double in the next 50 years. Well, those people need a place to live, right? And usually the rent is the first bill that they pay. Maybe their car payment's the first payment, but like their house is the first. So it's a very, very safe investment. I love real estate. So I think people, if they're doing active real estate investing, they need to start setting aside a certain percentage of those profits, setting those aside for buying passive income. Now, if they can, they should be putting as much money down as they can, not over leveraging, in my opinion. They shouldn't get, be getting into too much debt. They should be paying off these rental properties as quickly as possible. That's my opinion. But the sooner you can get, there's so many advantages to owning single family homes from the write-offs and from the depreciation and from the cash flow and getting other people to, I'm preaching to the choir. So to bridge that gap, and this is why I like wholesaling, because you learn the market, you learn what are the good areas and the bad areas. You learn how to evaluate properties. And sometimes you may find a deal that's so good, instead of selling it, you should keep it. Right. So you may find a deal like, yeah, you can wholesale it and make 10, 20 grand, but like 
man, if you keep this thing, put 510 into it to fix it up and get a tenant in there, you should hold those properties for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. That's called cherry picking. <laughs> yes. Cool. So I would rather cherry pick my own deals than pick deals that have already been cherry picked by 10 other people. Sure. Of course. Cool. Joe, thank you very much. This has been incredibly enlightening and helpful. And the contrast has been great. So tell our listeners how they can find you and find more information about you or what you do. Yeah. I appreciate you letting me be on the show, Marco. I, you're the passive guy. I'm maybe the more of the active guy, but I think there is a place for both, right? But I have a podcast called the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. been doing it since 2011. I don't have as many reviews as you do. I need to get on my game. <laughs> I can't help you there. <laughs> we need to talk offline to get some of your tricks for getting more reviews. But no problem. Let me just say this to everybody out there. If you're listening to this show, you need to give us some reviews. You need to give Marco some reviews. It's a lot of work putting these podcasts together. And it's just like going to the restaurant or the coffee shop and you see the tip jar right there. Put in a dollar. Give those guys a tip. But the reviews are awesome and they're so helpful. We appreciate them because like, we get to hear from you guys what you like and what you don't like about the shows, right? So Marco has way more reviews than I do by 100 or 200, but you should still give him some more. Thank but, you. Uh, my podcast, Real Estate Investing Mastery, you guys can check that out. Just go to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or any of those and it's on there. That's one way. The second way is I do have a book. It's a free book that you all can buy. It's free. You just pay a couple bucks for shipping and handling. It's called Wholesaling Lease Options. And I put a lot of effort into this. There's no fluff in it. It's like solid content and stuff. People can get it at wlobook.com, wlobook.com if they want. And I'll send it out to you. It's a good primer on this whole topic. And uh, there's enough in here. It's not like I'm upselling you other stuff. It's a really good book in my humble opinion. But yeah, those are the two good ways. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes. So it'll all be there for everybody. Very good. Well, hey, Joe, thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. And I appreciate you coming on. Hey, I'm going to have you on my show, right? So some of you guys, you've been listening to Marco for a long time. I'm going to ask him some, a lot of questions on how he got started in the business. And uh, hopefully I can ask him some questions that he might not have told his audience on his podcast. So you maybe you'll get some insider, <laughs> you can read into his mind a little bit, a little better, and I'll hopefully ask him some questions about why he does what he does. So yeah, come and listen to that. Very good. Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Marco. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this two-part episode on active real estate investing with Joe McCall interesting stuff. And I hope it gives you some perspective on the strategies involved with active real estate investing and where you can make some quick money or chunks of cash. But ultimately you want to turn those chunks of cash into streams of cash. You want cash flow. So that is why I wanted to do this episode a comparison and contrast. So I hope you enjoyed it. Download our free report, the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing. If you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. We love the reviews. They're great. Thank you. Keep them coming in. Just head on over to iTunes. You probably need to do it on your laptop desktop. It's kind of hard to do on an iPhone, but we greatly appreciate all the positive feedback and the great review. So thanks for that. Thanks for listening. And we're going to see you again on our next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. 
Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.